Good morning, church family. For it is wonderful to see all of you here today, as we will once again be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, church, and we'll be looking specifically at verses 1 through 11, or at a text about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And if you are not familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, well, it has some similarities, church, with the text that we read last week. And I say that because, as we saw last week in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37, for the early church, or this community of Christians that was made up of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of individuals at this time, for they were a Christian community who were of one heart together, one soul together, were united together, and were living in harmony together. So much so, as we saw in verse 32, that they had everything in common together. And verse 34, that there was not a needy person among them. For, or as the CSB puts it, because, verse 34, as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, in verse 35, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. In essence, you had individuals here, church, individuals who were part of this early Christian community who owned land and who owned houses, i.e. individuals who had some wealth to their names and some property to their names who were freely and willingly and sacrificially selling their lands and their houses and then bringing, verse 34, the proceeds of what was sold and verse 35, laying at the apostles' feet, and it was then distributed to each as any had need. And Dr. Luke, for he then gave us an example of this type of generosity in verses 36 and 37, where we read about a man by the name of Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, who, verse 37, sold a field that belonged to him, and then, verse 37, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Overall, illustrating here the type of sacrificial love and generosity that the early church had for one another as they cared for the needs of one another. And yet, as we will see in our text today, for although we meet this couple of Ananias and Sapphira here, who also sold property just like that of Barnabas, and who also brought money from the sale of the property to the apostles and laid it at their feet, for it did not end well for them here. As we will all be clearly reminded here today, church, via this text, that our God, that he does not appreciate it when people lie to him. And Pastor Dennis DeHaan, in light of our text today, for he shared this story. About four high school ball boys who on one sunny spring day simply couldn't resist the temptation to skip classes for the day. However, the next day, when they all told their teacher that they had missed her class because their car had a flat tire, to their relief, their teacher simply smiled back at them and said, well, you all missed a very important quiz yesterday. So please take your seats 
and get out a piece of paper and a pencil. And once they all sat down and were all ready for the quiz, the teacher then said to the four young men who had skipped her class the day before, now your first question of the quiz is this, which one of the four tires was flat? For no one can get away with lying. And in Acts chapter 5, we see Ananias and Sapphira thought that they were only lying to Peter and to other believers. But as the apostle Peter makes clear to them, for you have not lied to men, but to God. And thus, when we lie then, for let us all be reminded that we ultimately offend our holy God. Which takes us now, church, to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. God is holy and should not be trifled with. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this. God is holy and should not be trifled with. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you as our gift to you this morning. And to turn that Bible at this time to page 913, and to join us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. As again, we will be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, church, and we'll be looking specifically at verses 1 through 11 where Dr. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is my prayer today that we as a church body, Lord, see you as you are. Lord, that we understand today that, yes, as your word tells us, God is love, but that we also realize that he is also a consuming fire, and that we reverently fear you this morning, Lord, that we have a respect for you like nothing else, and that we are in awe of your glory and your sovereignty, of your authority over your lordship of every area of our life. And we realize, Lord, that you will by no means clear the guilty. Father, we pray that this text this morning helps us to see you, Father, as you are. Lord, that it helps us to understand how much you hate a lying tongue. That it helps us to understand as husbands and as wives, our ultimate call is to obey you, Father, above all else. Father, convict us of this this morning. Open our eyes to your glory this morning. And as Ken read, let us see you this morning as holy, holy, holy. Father, I pray that you open the eyes and the ears of the dear ones here today. Soften their hearts to receive the word that you have for them. Father, I pray that you help my lisping and my stammering tongue this morning to glorify you, Father, and you alone. I also pray for my brother Ricardo at this time at New Hope Christian Fellowship in Marietta. How stressful of a time it is for him, I am sure, and for the entire Vargas family. Give him peace and help him to let that dear congregation in Marietta to see Jesus Christ through the preaching faithfully of your word. Father, build us up in the faith today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are are an abomination to the Lord. Verses 1 through 6. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. So as we open in verse 1, we see that Acts chapter 5 actually begins very similarly to how Acts chapter 4 ended. 
And that just as Acts chapter 4 ended with a man by the name of Joseph, who the apostles called Barnabas, selling a field that belonged to him, here in Acts chapter 5 verse 1, Luke similarly notes that a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And although the text here, church, does not say whether Ananias and Sapphira truly were regenerate or not, or truly were believers or not, as you can find scholarship out there today arguing both ways, for what the text does indeed say here was that Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, or as other translations put it, sold a field, or sold a piece of land. And verse 2, with his wife's knowledge, he, Ananias then, kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. And that Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. But then, as the New Living Translation puts it, he, Ananias, brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount, and with his wife's consent, He kept the rest. In essence, you have a scene here, church, where Ananias was apparently being deceitful and dishonest and pretending here to bring all of the proceeds or all of the money from the sale of the property to the apostles when the reality was he only brought part of the proceeds to the apostles and kept back some for himself. And as numerous commentators speculate here, for maybe Ananias did this because he was prideful and wanted the praise of others for such sacrificial giving. Or maybe it was because he simply loved money. Or maybe even it was because he wanted to be seen as someone who was more spiritually mature than others. Nevertheless, for whatever the reason was, the apostle Peter then said to Ananias in verse 3, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And that the apostle Peter, under the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit, for he knew here, church, that Satan had filled Ananias' heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for himself part of the proceeds of the land, even though Ananias evidently pretended or claimed, as previously mentioned, to give all the proceeds of the land to the apostles. Which, make no mistake about it, he, Ananias, did not have to do, i.e., he did not have to sell the land or give all the proceeds to the apostles. And I say that because, as we go on to see in verse 4, for the apostle Peter then said to Ananias, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after you sold it, was it not at your disposal? Or again, as the New Living Translation puts it, for the property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished, and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. And that Ananias wasn't forced to sell his property here, nor was he forced to give away any of the money from the sale of his property here, since, as I mentioned last week, this giving within the early church, for it was being done by individuals freely and willingly and sacrificially and not because anyone was being commanded to, told to, or forced to. 
And thus in light of that, for the apostle Peter then says to Ananias in verse 4, For why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Only to conclude then by saying to Ananias in verse 4, You have not lied to man, but to God. You have not lied to man, but to God. Which makes clear here, church, that the Holy Spirit who Ananias lied to in verse 3, that he, the Holy Spirit, truly is divine, since, as verse 4 notes, Ananias lied to God. To which, as we see then in verse 5, that when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The author of the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, seemingly communicating to his readers here that it was divine judgment that fell upon Ananias here. Only to then note, as we see in verse 6, the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. To which Albert Moeller, in light of our text today, for he wrote this, That Ananias' sin, then, is a graphic reminder of our need to speak the truth diligently and without fail. And Peter's condemnation of Ananias reminds us of just how serious the sin of lying truly is. And thus, applicably speaking here, for Christians, then, must be a people of the truth. Since, as Jesus Christ himself taught, that Satan is the father of lies as he made clear in John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And thus, when we as Christians speak falsehoods and half-truths, and even shaded truths. For we do not reflect the one who is the truth, that being Jesus Christ, who said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But instead, we reflect the image of Satan, who is a liar, and who is the father of lies. And thus, no wonder my mother then when I would get caught in a lie when I was younger, used to sing to me a song that still rings in my ears to this day any time I am tempted to tell a lie. That song being, Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. And thus, when you are tempted then, brother Christian, sister Christian, to tell that little white lie in order to make that situation in your life just a little bit easier, or to lie by omission in order to try to keep yourself out of some trouble at work, or to tell lies of fabrication in order to try to make yourself look really good around those important people who you really want to impress, or even to lie by betrayal, 
or to compulsively lie or to merely fail to keep your word in order to get yourself out of a really sticky situation. For remember this, brother Christian, sister Christian, that lying lips that they are an abomination to the Lord, Proverbs 12, 22. And that we as Christians are not to speak lies, nor to speak deception, nor to have a lying tongue. But instead, we are to put away falsehood, to put away crooked speech, and to speak the truth in love. Therefore, lovingly, church family, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off as Christians the old self with its evil practices, Colossians 3.9. But instead, seek to be a people who love the truth, who tell the truth, who share the truth, walk in the truth, bear witness to the truth, and to only speak the truth, since our God is a God who hates a lying tongue, Proverbs 16.7. Which brings us to point number two. Wives must always seek to ultimately obey the Lord. Wives must always seek to ultimately obey the Lord, verses 7 through 11. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. So verse 7, after an interval of about three hours, or three hours later, his wife Sapphira came in not knowing what had happened, i.e. not knowing that her husband's deception and lying had been found out and that he now was dead. Only for the apostle Peter then to say to Sapphira in verse 8, tell me, whether you sold the land for so much. To which Sapphira then said back to Peter, yes, for so much. And that Sapphira here was also lying about and pretending that the partial amount that was given to the apostles, that that was the total amount from the sale of the property. And thus the apostle Peter then, verse 9, said to her, for how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? or to tempt the Spirit of the Lord, or try the Spirit of the Lord. Similar as Howard Marshall puts it, or points out, to what the Israelites did in the wilderness, as we see in Exodus 17, verse 2, where it says, And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? And in Deuteronomy 16, 6, where it says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. All in order, church, mind you, to see how much they, the Israelites, could get away with. Nevertheless, the apostle Peter then said to Sapphira in verse 9, Behold, the feet of those who you have buried, your husband, are at the door, and they will carry you out. 
which is just an incredible statement from the Apostle Peter here. As the Apostle Peter not only tells Sapphira in verse 9 that your husband Ananias, that he is dead and has been buried, but he also then goes on to tell Sapphira here that she was about to be buried as well. To which immediately then it says in verse 10 that Sapphira fell down at his feet and breathed her last. Again, Dr. Luke seemingly portraying to his readers here that this was an act of divine judgment. And verse 10, when the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And verse 11, great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. And yet, as we begin to wrap up point number two this morning, church, For I'd like to do so by initially sharing these words with you from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, which read, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And yet when it says here, church, that wives should submit in everything to their husbands, for that does not mean, just to make this point crystal clear, that wives should knowingly follow their husbands into sin. And I say that here and point that out here to you all, Because as as Pastor Tony Morita writes, for Sapphira, for she shared in her husband's conspiracy and in her husband's fate. Therefore, sometimes it is sinful for a wife to submit to her husband, since her loyalty first belongs to the Lord. And thus, Sapphira then, for she should not have gone along with Ananias' devilish plan. And thus, in light of all that, for I just want to remind all of our married couples here today that yes, for Scripture does indeed call wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord and to submit in everything to their husbands. But again, for that does not mean that they should knowingly follow him in ways that are counter to or in contradiction of the very Scriptures. Meaning that if your husband then, Sister Christian, is telling you to lie about the number of hours you work each week in order to make a little extra money, or is trying to convince you to watch something sexually immoral with him, or is trying to compel you to get drunk with him on the weekends, or to cuss out a neighbor, to lie to a family member, cheat on a test, or to try to take advantage of someone when no one is looking, for in each and every one of those situations, sister Christian, with love and respect, do not go along with what your husband is trying to get you to do. Since to do so, would not be honoring to God or pleasing to God or glorifying to God, but instead it would be that of sin, sin that you are ultimately committing against your holy God, your holy God who has called you to obey and to walk in his ways even when your husband, sister Christian, tells you or tries to convince you to walk in sin. 
And as for the husbands who are here today, for if you then in any way, brother Christian, are encouraging your wife to sin at this time, or telling your wife to sin at this time, or coercing, or compelling, or commanding, or knowingly leading your wife into sin at this time, then bluntly, brother Christian, you need to repent of that sin, to turn from that sin, and to seek to love your wife. Ephesians 5.25, as Christ loved the church, all while realizing that although your wife has been called to submit to you in everything, brother Christian, for she has not been called to knowingly just follow you into sin, since her responsibility as a child of the Most High God is to always, always, always seek to faithfully obey her Most High God, even if her husband tells her to do the opposite. Now, as we begin to close this morning, church, for I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who was here first, And to share with you at this time, non-Christian, the good news that there is indeed a Savior out there today who can save liars and fakers, fibbers and fabricators, hypocrites and deceivers from their very sins. And thus do not think for a second, non-Christian, that simply because you struggle with the sin of compulsive lying to others, or the sin of telling little white lies to others, or any other sin for that matter, that you cannot be saved. And I say that because God the Father sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world as truly God and as truly man to live and to dwell amongst us and to save sinners, sinners like you and like me, non-Christian, from their very sins by initially living for them the life that they could never live. And that Jesus Christ, that while he lived and dwelt among us, for he lived a life here on earth, non-Christian, that was free from any kind of sin. And that in doing so perfectly and completely and without any kind of offense, kept the law of God. Something that we as sinners could never, ever do. And he did it, non-Christian, for the very children of God. However, being that the wage of sin or the cost of sin is that of death. For he, Jesus Christ, also then bore the wrath of God that they, the children of God, deserved for their very sins as well by willingly being crucified and killed on a cross at Calvary in their place and as their very substitute, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, dying in the place of the unrighteous. And in doing so, he, Jesus Christ, then, not only satisfied the justice of our holy God, but also appeased then, non-Christian, the wrath of our holy God toward his sinful children as well. And thus, because of all that, three days later, then, this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, for he didn't remain dead or buried in some grave, but instead, three days later, he, Jesus Christ, then, For he rose from the grave, and he defeated sin, and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin, 
for let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you then in his righteousness, in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, for as we close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, for I'd like to do so by considering at this time just how important it is for us as Christians today to respect, to be in all of, and to properly fear the Lord. And although I've shared this story with you before, church, for I'd like to do so again this morning because it seems to be rather fitting in light of this theme of having a proper fear of the Lord. That story being that in the Chronicles of Narnia, the author C.S. Lewis, for he talks about two characters, those characters being Susan and Lucy, who are getting ready to meet Aslan the lion. And in the story, two talking animals, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, cautiously prepare Susan and Lucy for their encounter with Aslan. Because Susan, who originally thought Aslan was a man, was taken aback when she found out that Aslan was actually a lion and admitted to being rather nervous about meeting a lion. To which Mrs. Beaver replied to her by saying, That you will, dearie, but make no mistake, for if there is anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking... They're either braver than most or just silly. To which Lucy then asked, Well, isn't he safe? Safe, cried out Mr. Beaver. Didn't you hear anything that Mrs. Beaver just told you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. And he's the king, I tell you. And thus to summarize the words and thoughts of theologian Dean Pinter here. For we could view then the story of Ananias and Sapphira here along the lines of, or similar to how C.S. Lewis used to refer to the unpredictability of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, that he is not a tame lion. In the sense that we do not worship and follow a tame god whose ways can be predicted or controlled by the actions of his people. And it is in this knowledge that we would do well then to be seized with a holy awe and fear of the Lord of all. Or as another commentator put it in light of the text today, obviously Ananias and Sapphira needed a healthy fear of the Lord, for the God of all the earth demands respect. So as we consider this passage for we shouldn't think God would never do that to me. Rather, we need to remember that God is not mocked. For Proverbs teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And thus, if you don't stand in all of God, you are unwise, and destruction will eventually come upon you. 
And thus, do not ever forget then, church, that the God you worship, for although he is love, 1 John 4, 8, for he is also a consuming fire, Deuteronomy 4, 24. Or as our articles of faith put it, for our God, Christian, is the one living and true God, imminent, transcendent, and infinite in being and perfection, pure spirit, invisible, immutable, eternal, almighty, all-wise, most holy, most free, most loving, most gracious, most merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, who forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin, and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, is the most just and terrible in his judgments, hates all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty, for that is the God who you worship, Christian. Not some tame house cat, nor some cosmic Santa Claus, nor some genie in a bottle, some universal bellhop, some needy boyfriend, lenient grandfather, or some accepting of everything sky daddy who you created in your own mind, but instead our God, Christian, for he is the God of the universe, the one who is the creator of all things, sustainer of all things, knower of all things, and the one who is sovereign, authoritative, all-powerful, and to is the Lord over all things. And thus, when you pray then to your God, Christian, and come into this building and seek to worship your God, Christian, and read the word of your God, Christian, speak to others about your God, Christian, and even consider just how faithfully you want to obey all the commandments of your God, Christian, for you make sure you do it with a proper reverence, with a proper fear, and with a proper respect for your all-powerful, all-knowing, holy, and sovereign God, since blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen. And with that, for my exhortation then to you all here this morning, church, is this. From Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And thus it is my prayer that we as a church body, that we fear the Lord respect the Lord, and that we be a people here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church who reverently are in awe of the Lord, and that we also be a people here who put away all falsehood and who seek to speak only the truth to one another. And thus help us, Father, to not walk in the ways of Satan, the father of lies, but to instead walk in the truth, to live in the truth, and to be a people of the truth, knowing that you, God, are a God who does not lie and who hates a lying tongue. In essence, it is my prayer for us as a church family this morning to see you, God, as you truly are, not as some tame God who can be manipulated, exploited, picked on, or mocked, but in Instead, that we see you, God, as the sovereign God of the universe, the God who is love and and who is also a consuming fire, and who keeps steadfast love for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sins, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we 
Lord willing, are in awe at this time of your holiness. And as we remember at this time that you will by no means clear the guilty, for we rejoice in the fact that we have an individual in Jesus Christ who took our sins upon himself, died for our sins, was raised from the dead, raised for our justification so that we can be seen as righteous before a holy God. Father, I seek, or I pray that we seek to see you as you are, Father, as the Holy One, the One who is Lord over all, authoritative over all, all all-powerful, most perfect, most just, all-knowing, all-wise, God, not someone who we can manipulate, not a God who will be mocked, but the one who will reign forever. Father, in every decision we make, Father, I pray, Lord, that we fear you. Since as the proverb puts it, fearing the Lord, it is the beginning of wisdom. Let us fear you, Father. Let us keep your commandments, since this is the whole duty of man. Help us in this, we pray, Father, in your Son's name. Amen.